This morning, uh, we're in Philippians, we're in Philippians chapter 3, uh, we're going over half a verse. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Someone actually told me, yeah, one day you're going to finish Philippians. I said, one day. It's not going to be today, but, um, but Philippians chapter 3, verse 12 to 16, Philippians 3, 12 to 16, and the title is Spiritual Progress, Spiritual Progress. And there's a couple points. Number one, pressing on and reaching forward. Number two, the same mind and attitude. Pressing on and reaching forward. And number two, the same mind and attitude. And moving, in, moving forward in life, it really curbs depression. It brings excitement. It brings fulfillment. Progress makes a person feel like their life has purpose. And think about when you feel like you're at a standstill, like you're not moving forward, like there's absolutely no progress in your life. It's, it's like trying to swim upstream. You, you can swim with all your might, with all that's in you, but you will not move forward against a current that is against you. And so now I used to live in the West Coast, so I really know something about constant standstill in the form of traffic. <laughs> the form, I don't know if you've heard of the 101 or the 405, but they're not fun. It was normal, it was like a normal occurrence to go about two miles in 30 minutes. That's why when we got here, when we moved here, uh, 2017 in June, it was like, you go far in like half an hour. I went through so many miles. It's crazy. It's it's crazy. But I I learned to be productive even when I was stuck in traffic. And when I was stuck in traffic, I can still be productive by listening to sermons, by, by praising God, you know, and seeking the Lord in prayer. But I don't know anyone who prays to get stuck in traffic or who prays that their life, Lord, please make my life be at a standstill where I'm not moving forward or making any progress. We all want to move forward in life, to progress, to move up to the next position at work or to get a raise, maybe to build your PTO time if you have a job, to see your kids grow and be healthy, to seek the Lord. You want to see progress. And it may sound weird, and you probably are going to judge me right now about what I'm about to say, but I, I didn't know how to brush my teeth most of my life. I know, crazy, right? Like, I didn't know. Like, I went, and I was getting so many cavities, and so finally a dental assistant, she said, here's how you brush your teeth. Instead of going like this, you know, just back and forth, she said, go in a circular motion. And so she literally had to teach me when I was an adult how to brush my teeth. I'm serious. And it wasn't until I was an adult that this dental assistant showed me how, and then I get, now I get way less cavities. It was revolutionary for me. I progressed in, brush, in teeth brushing. But... There's some progress there. We want to see progress. Yet, you know, it's an off-the-wall example, but we, we like to learn. We want to grow. We want to flourish in life. We definitely want to flourish in the faith. Before I was walking with the Lord, I had some goals that all had to do with furthering myself. It was all about me, what made me feel good, what made me happy. You woke up thinking about yourself. You went to bed thinking about yourself. When I began walking with the Lord, I began... Uh, I began living for the Lord, and I quickly realized it's not about me. (laughs) It's not all about me at all. True progress and purpose comes when you are about your father's business. Like Jesus told his parents when they lost him, and they found him in the temple teaching. He was was a preteen. He was like, I'm about my father's business. Like, he got it when he was young. Jesus tells his followers that without him, they can do what? Nothing. John 15. Nothing of purpose, nothing of eternal value, because what matters in life has everything to do with the Lord. And we're, we're a small part of this life, but even though we're a small part of this life, in the grand scheme of things, God wants to use each of us greatly 
for his glory, like we were singing about. For we're blessed to live out his purpose that God has for each of us. And, and we're not meant to make much of ourselves. That's kind of the American mentality. Make much of yourself. How many followers do you have on Instagram? Oh, that's it? Oh, okay. You know, like, we try to make much of ourselves here in the States, but no, that it shouldn't be like that, right? We don't want to make much of ourselves. We want to make much of God. You know, we're not meant to make ourselves be seen. We're meant to magnify the Lord Jesus and to reflect him to others, not reflect ourselves. And this is what we're going to see in these verses as Paul continues writing what is known as the book of joy. Remember, he's in jail. Most of us would be like, well, how am I going to get out? Like, this is horrible. This is uncomfortable. I'm chained to a guard 24 hours a day. Like, why aren't the letters about that? Because Paul's joyful, because he's not finding his joy in the circumstances. He's finding his joy in Jesus. And so we're exhorted to press on by him in the Lord's calling and to press on together and having that same mind. And we're going to see that as believers, we're not meant to be at a standstill or idle. Like we're going to see as believers, we're not meant to stay still, stay where you're at and just do nothing. We're not supposed to be like you might have heard of sideline saints, like get into the game. It's not just pastors and worship leaders and missionaries. It's like everyone. Oh, you're a believer. There's work for you to do. Awesome. But we're meant to press on and move forward and grow and reach out and yield to the Lord so that we can grow and flourish in the faith rather than wither away and waste our God-given time. So it uh, sounds convicting, huh? This is not me. This is Paul telling you this. So uh, just if you're convicted, that's the Lord. Uh, not me. So let's pray, and then we'll get into these verses. Well, Heavenly Father, again, we thank you for your word. We just thank you even in the Psalms that you say you hold your word higher than your name. And it's powerful. It's the blueprint. It's the, the trail guide, Lord. It's the manual for living, Lord. And we thank you for it. Thank you for its truth, Lord, that leads to um, just salvation, to spiritual growth, to all of those amazing things, God. We just pray that my words would fall to the ground and your word would be illuminated this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So verse 12 to 16, chapter 3 of Philippians says, Paul writes, now that I, not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on, that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. Verse 14, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let us, as many as are mature, have this mind. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. Nevertheless, to the degree that we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us be of the same mind. So the Apostle Paul told these believers in Philippi what to renounce, you know, that the legalism. Now he writes about the, what to lay hold of, what to let go of, now what to lay hold of, and what to progress in. What he talks about in these verses remind us that, that we need to cleave to and hold on to the Lord in this life. The answer is Jesus, right? Look up, focus on eternal things so you can be effective while on this earth. And so when we are so heavenly focused, then we will be tools created by God to get his work and his will done. And it's pretty mind-blowing. Like, we're, we all want to progress spiritually and grow in the faith. And the way to do that is to seek God and reach out to others. It's pretty simple, right? Seek God and reach out to others. Because if we're not furthering the kingdom of God, we're not moving forward in the faith. And therefore, there will be no progress, which will make us feel like we have no purpose. 
Yet God's word makes it clear that we do, do have a purpose, and that is to further the kingdom of God by spreading the gospel. And it's a pretty amazing purpose to live for. We're not the ones who save, right? We're not the ones who save anyone. We are the messengers who tell others about the one who saves. It makes me think of John the Baptist. He spent six months, his whole life was prepared for the six-month period when he was in the Jordan River, right? Baptizing people, preaching the gospel, preaching them, telling them to repent and everything. But John made sure to let people know that he was not the Messiah. Like, don't look at me. He could have taken the glory, but he didn't, huh? He said, no, don't look at me. There's one coming whose sandal strap I'm not even worthy to loose. Look, think on things of him. He's going to be here soon. We're the, we are messengers of the grace and the truth of the Lord. That's such a privilege. And so in verse 12 to 14, we see pressing on and reaching forward. Paul writes, not that I've already attained. I love that. And this, this statement, it really demonstrates that Paul didn't, didn't conquer the spiritual life, nor did he reach any sort of perfection. You know, before Christ, Paul was already, he was a Pharisee. Now that he was saved, he remained at a place of humility. And once a person believes they've, you know, once a person believes they've reached a high level of spiritual attainment, then humility falls out the window. You know, like Eutychus, remember Paul was preaching to you, and Eutychus fell out the window dead? That's what happens. Like, we don't want to make much of ourselves. We're not trying to be seen. We're not trying to attain to a level, oh, I'm here now. Now I can look down on you and say, you're doing it all wrong. No one has attained. Because we don't see our spiritual life as, as a video game that, we, that has different levels. And you get to the point where I'm finally fighting the big boss. I'm at the end here. You beat him. Now you're the champion of the game. I've passed, right? I am the most spiritual of all you guys. <laughs> That's not how the Christian life is. It doesn't work like that. Ask Jacob, you know, when you get to heaven. Jacob, he wanted to get his own way and be reliant upon himself. Hence, remember, the all-night wrestling match with God. And we're not sufficient without the Lord. We need to empty ourselves of self-confidence and be confident in the Lord instead. Because the arrival of perfection does not happen on this earth. This is our future in heaven. We need, a, we need to journey from season to season with humility. And humility is saying this, Lord, apart from you, I have no wisdom, I know nothing. That's a hard thing to say, a hard, hard statement to make, but it's true. Without the Lord, we have no wisdom. We know nothing. We have not attained. And, and there are groups who actually teach sinless perfection, like it's possible. But Paul was clear that he hadn't attained any sort of perfection. This was the Apostle Paul. Wrote 13 letters in the New Testament, right? He's like, I haven't attained anything. Not even close. And so he didn't want other believers looking up to him or praising him. Paul wanted people praising God. And isn't that the heart we should have? I mean, directing the eyes of others towards the heart of the Lord, not towards ourselves, hey, do you know all the stuff that I accomplished spiritually? Like, do you know where I'm at? I'm going to enlighten you. Like, that's, not, that's the Pharisee's heart. That's, that should be our heart. Our heart should be like, don't look at me, look at the Lord. Don't look at me, look at the Lord. However we can get this message across is a good thing. It's like this. It's, it's like this. Just bear with me. Um, so in a sense, like, we want, we want to be invisible, so we can make God visible. Like, I, I get up on this stage every week and I preach, but it's not about me. It's about the word of God going out so we can understand and grasp the heart of God. Like, our calling and job is to direct people's eyes, not to self, but to the Savior. We can never be anyone's functional Savior. And if we try, we will let them down. 
because we are imperfect humans. We are to make the invisible God visible, and we're to make ourselves visible. When I started doing mission trips to Peru, the first year I went, my pastor's like, I was like, I've never led a missions trip, you know? Um, And he's like, well, good luck. I'll pray for you. (laughs) He hadn't either. So I'm like, great. I don't have no clue what to do. Well, I act like I have it together. But after, when I got there, I just loved on all the kids and the people. We did VBS and did some building and uh, and I don't want to leave. I just wanted to give them everything, you know, like, like physically, which will help. But the second year and after the third year, I realized, man, I just need to give them Jesus. I just need to give them the Lord because all that stuff is going to wear out. All that stuff is going to fade away. They're going to lose it. Maybe they'll sell it. Maybe I don't know. But I just need to give them Jesus. I'm not their Jesus. They need the Lord. And we leave them with the Lord and they'll have him eternally, not just for a few years until they have to get a new one, but he's eternal. And so we are to make the invisible God visible and ourselves invisible. And Paul says this. He says, I press on, but I press on. I love it. So since Paul hadn't arrived at a superior, uh, superior level of spirituality, he had one thing he knew he had to do, press on. Think, uh, this meant that Paul had his hand to God's work, and he would not turn back to where he came from. Paul was moving forward to where God was leading him. And the Christian life, it requires effort. It requires like fervor and endurance. It's not not like a person gets saved and their problems vanish forever. God does everything, so I don't have to do anything at all. I don't have any responsibility anymore. I, I went forward at a Harvest Crusade, and now I'm good. I don't, whatever. We know that's not how it works, right? It takes intentionality and effort to actually seek God, to stay plugged into a group of people who believe, to reach out to this lost world And we must actively press on in this life as we're on the journey from God. And Paul goes on, he says that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus also laid hold of me. See, Paul exerted effort for the Lord, but it was not for himself. And I think we often need to remind ourselves that this life is not about us. Like, I I mean, I'd go as far as to say is we need to remind ourselves of this every morning. As we seek the Lord, get into his word, as we pray, this life is not about me today. This life is about the Lord and what he wants me to do and how he wants me to reach out. It's not all about what we want and what we want to do. It's about the Lord and what he wants us to do. And Paul got this, right? He understood this. And you can tell by the way he lived. And the phrase lay hold of, it's very strong. It's very strong language in the Greek, lay hold of. It has the idea that Paul was saved and now he wanted to lay hold of what God had for him actively, to, to reach forward with all that was within him, to grab hold of what God had for him. And as believers, there's amazing work to do for the Lord. And again, I'm so blessed by what's going on in Jinja, Uganda. Our team was there, and, and you'll see the videos and, and uh, the lights being turned on in their homes, and they had such joy. And, and again, you're going to hear about some of those, what God did over there in the past week and a half. But, but you see these get, kids get school supplies, and they're just overwhelmed with joy, you know? And you see the tent go up for the discipleship. It's amazing. But, but you know, all that takes work. Like, all that takes effort. It takes proactive initiative. You can sit on the sideline and hope someone else does it for you, but oftentimes God's tugging at your heart saying, no, you're the one to do that. Oh, you should start this ministry. Oh, praise the Lord, go for it. Oh, no, no, you, not me. Do you know what I mean? Sometimes God puts stuff on your heart and you think, well, someone else can do that. That might be for you. 
But I would just say, all that takes work. Unfortunately, like a lot of idle believers are usually those who criticize the believers who are actually doing the work because they're doing the work. Oh, you're not doing it the right way, though. You should be doing this all differently. Oh, oh, what are you doing for the Lord? I'm telling you what to do. That's my job, you know? And so don't be a sideline criticizer. Instead, get into the game. Watch what the Lord does for his glory. Why did Jesus lay a hold of Paul? To change his heart, to, to make him a witness for Christ, to use him to reach out to the lost and jaded religious leaders, to have hope and spread hope, to turn Paul from an angry man who persecuted Christians, right, to a man who was persecuted because he was a Christian. I want to know something amazing, like God has laid a hold of you and me, too, to do the same things. Paul's not like, Paul's up here, I'm like way down here, like there's no levels. We're all called to different things. You know, a, a great event, Billy Graham, you know, he has a calling, but there's also a janitor over here that's able to share with people. After most people go home from work, he's able to share the gospel with people. Do you think that person is less than him? Absolutely not. Every soul matters. God has laid a hold of us. We just need to let go and, and give in to what he wants us to do. So, sometimes we see Paul as a super saint, but he was a sinner saved by grace, self-proclaimed sinner. He's like, I'm the chief of sinners, remember? but he was set for the work of the kingdom of God. And you and I are called to do the same thing. Like, have you ever let the Lord Jesus take a hold of you? Have you let him into your, every part of your heart? Have you let him take your life, transform it, and put you on the active path of his will? If not, today's a great day to do that. You know? It's like when I was first saved, I was kind of like timid to talk to people because I didn't know that much. And then one of my believing friends were like, well, you know the gospel, right? I was like, well, yeah, here it is. And the, okay, you know enough. And then I was able to start sharing it. I was like, oh, they're right. <laughs> People just need to know that there's hope, that they can be saved, that the Lord actually sees them, that he loves them. Paul constantly reminds us through all of this, all of these letters, that, again, life is not about us. This truth has really grabbed a hold of me lately. If It's something like we know, but something we live as if we don't know. Like, may we live like we are living for Jesus and not for self. Like, to resist the flesh and walk in the Spirit. Press on and press into the Lord. And Paul goes on and he writes, The prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So Paul did not let his past distract him. And instead, he pressed on for the prize for the future. And you think, oh, cool, prizes. I love prizes. What, what, what prize? We get prizes as Christians? This is great. Are like you doing like a giveaway? Are you going to give away a bike and an iPad? No, we don't do that here. Um, but the prize is, the prize is this. The prize is the call itself. The call is the prize. Your call from God is the prize. The call is to live for the Lord and to run your race of faith, my race of faith. Because it's an amazing call to follow Jesus. It is worth reaching forward for it. So what is your goal? What, is, what, what are you reaching for? What, what are you aiming at with your life? And I believe the answer should be all about the Lord. My goal is to please God. My goal is to run my race of faith. You know, my goal is to aim to please God. I love what the original language insinuates here, reaching forward. It's an illustration of a runner exerting every muscle to reach forward towards the finish line. They're exerting all of who they are. I love, remember what Paul said? He said, I was... I was I was spending and I was spent for the Lord, for your souls. He gave his all. He was exhausted for eternal things, and so it was fulfilling. So he didn't mind that kind of exhaustion. It was more of an exhaustion from surrender rather than an exhaustion from striving. 
But the runner is pointing all his strength towards what's ahead. He's not holding back. You know, he's not looking back. He's running for his life because the call is worth exerting yourself for. He says the upward call of Christ Jesus. So the upward call of God is in Christ Jesus. The religious leaders, they would claim they follow an upward call, but it was void of Christ. And that was their problem. They did everything in their own flesh, in their own strength. And we know biblically this is not the way to live or to operate. We are to be led by the Spirit, right, to be equipped for the calling that God has for each of us. That's why our motto is Calvary Chapel. It's really simple. I like simple things because I'm not that smart. So our, 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 our mission statement is know Jesus, grow in the faith, and go out and make disciples. That's it. The third part of this, we can't, we can't neglect that. You know, we become spiritually fat Christians. Like, we want to take it in and then give it out. We're not just to take it in and be like, oh, I, got, I want like more and more, me, me. No, it's for you so you can go out to someone else. And so pressing on and reaching forward. And the second point is the same mind and attitude in verse 15 and 16. So those who are spiritually mature have this same mind. In other words, they were doing it all for the Lord and running their race of faith, reaching forward and exerting all their effort for the Lord and unto the Lord. And this doesn't mean we mindlessly follow the Lord like brainwashed robots. We are all created different. We're all created unique. But we have the same mind in that we have the same aim and the same goal, which is to please the Lord by fulfilling his will and walk in the calling and walk on the path that God is paving for us. And Paul writes, God will even reveal this to you. So Paul fully trusts the Lord to deal with his own people. Like we are messengers, but it is God who opens the hearts to receive the message. Right? You and I can't, cannot soften anyone's heart towards the Lord. Sometimes we wish we could force it. Oh, I wish I could just squeeze your heart and just soften it, you know? We, but it is God who softens heart, who, who softens hearts, who speaks to hearts, who transforms and renews minds. It is you and I who simply relay the message through the actions that we have, that we take, and the attitudes that we have. Paul's job wasn't to convince people. He wasn't to sell him on salvation, sell people on salvation. Like, listen to this, listen to this. No, the Holy Spirit does that. We just relay the message. We plant, we water, but God gives the increase. The results are up to him. But yet that doesn't negate us stopping and being like, I'm going to forget it then. I'm not going to plant water if I don't see any results. You might never see results until you get to heaven, but it doesn't mean you stop planting the truth and watering what people already know of the Lord, you know, to share the gospel, and to disciple people. He says, let us be of the same mind. And this is a call for unity, right? Unity of truth against the possibility of the division that the legalists brought to the table. And for a reference for that, we already went over it, but it was Philippians chapter 2, verse 1 and 2. But there's a great pressure that the Philippian Christians felt because the legalists put pressure on them to conform to some man-made laws before they could please God. Well, you have to become like this before you're like that. But that's not, we've heard this before, that's not how church works, right? Once I get my stuff pretty much together, I'll go to church. No, come to church broken. That's how God wants you and I to come to him. Come to church with all your junk and your mess. Come to church needing prayer, because we want to pray for you. Like there was great pressure from the legalists to be a certain way. But we just want to be the way God wants us to be. And come to him broken and honest and open like the world puts pressure on us. The world's ways want you and I to conform to its ways and lure us away from what is true and right. Right? Paul wanted to make sure that this pressure that the legalists put on the Philippian Christians led to a unifying rather than a dividing. Opposition will make you stronger in the faith or it will lead you away from the faith. 
So the question is, what is your goal? What is your aim? What are you trying to accomplish in this short life? Because this life is so short, isn't it? It's a vapor. It's a shadow. It's here and it's gone. But Paul had the right heart in expressing his aim and his goal. He wanted to press on for the upward call. The calling is the prize. That's the good thing. A lot of the time, you guys, were looking towards the future and saying, it's going to get better. When I, when, they, when I have this, it'll be way better. Once I get to this position, it'll be way better. Once I get that raise, it'll be way better. Once I get this new place to live, it'll be way better. And we're always looking ahead, hoping it gets better. But it's better right now. You're alive. <laughs> You're saved. You love the Lord. And you get to fulfill his calling. You know, you're, not, you're not like searching for a future blessing. There's some movements that are like, oh, in the future, you can do this, this, and this. Well, what about now? There's not just blessings in the future. You're in the midst of blessings right now. And I think as Americans, we take everything for granted. And we're like, oh, I have a roof over my head, food on the table. We're pretty much healthy. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, man, we're so blessed already. And it's even more of a blessing. The prize is to... Follow the Lord and fulfill his calling, the upward call. He has a call for each one of you. Not just to be seat warmers, right? Not just to come and have a social club. The church isn't a social club. It's a place you come to get built up so you can go out. Because the world beats you up, but church should build you up. And as you're built up, you go out to fulfill your calling. And right when you're like, I'm coming to the end of myself. I can't wait to gather again. I can't wait to pray with one another. I need prayer. To be vulnerable. I'm just going to read you this one more time just to share Paul's heart because I think that we should grab hold of this. And I believe this should be our heart as well. He said, Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. May we be of this mind. You know, may we live to further the kingdom of God, not our little kingdoms on the earth. We aren't alive to just let life fly by. Like we're alive to be in line with God's will and God's ways. It's such an amazing privilege, isn't it? So amazing to do that.